Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Free For All. I'm your host, Big John. I'm so glad you could join me tonight. Uh, tonight is an offbeat type of episode, something I haven't done here before on Free For All. I'm flying solo tonight, ladies and gentlemen. No Bob Zadak, no guests, rather, to help me out. Uh, but the topic tonight is one that's very near and dear to my heart. As a matter of fact, I can say that of all the aspects of libertarianism, liberty uh, movement, constitutionalism, however you want to phrase it, uh, this topic is the one that I'm the most passionate about, and it's the one that I'm almost the closest to being an absolutist about. That would be the issue of free speech. Uh, free speech, what does it mean? its application, does it have any limits, what are the ramifications of free speech, what are the ramifications of not having free speech in our society. I would just want to throw some thoughts out there, uh, see if they make sense to you, and hopefully I can persuade you, as Milton Friedman used to say, I can persuade you to seeing things my way. Uh, but I would love to hear from you. Uh, check us out on all our social media handles. All of them are at Grumblings Media, at Grumblings Media on uh, Twitter or X as it's now known, uh, Facebook, Gab, Truth Social, uh, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere there's a social platform, odds are at Grumblings Media, all one word, that's where you'll find us. Okay, having said that, let's get into the issue of free speech. What is free speech and why is it so important? Well, when I start to hear uh, conversations about free speech, I always stop folks and I try to bifurcate the conversation a bit about what you might ask. Well, here's one thing. There's the free speech in terms of the legal meaning of free speech, and then there's the ideal of free speech that I think we should be pursuing as a society. So let's start off with the easy one. In this country, in the U.S., according to our Constitution, the First Amendment, the number one hit on the Bill of Rights, includes the freedom of speech. Why? Why is it so important that it had to be listed as number one among all the rights that the government shall not infringe upon? Gun rights, the right to bear arms, that's number two, folks, and it's number two for a reason. Now, you always hear the hack comedic line, well, it's num number two is there to defend number one. Yes, to some extent, but more so, I think it was a recognition that free speech is more important than the right to bear arms. And if you think of other adages, think of this one, the pen is mightier than the sword. And even though that's hack as well, come to the realization that being able to persuade someone, to be able to convince them of the righteousness, of the logic of your position, that will sway many more hearts and minds than any gun, sword, or other weapon ever will. It's always a battle for hearts and minds. So why is free speech so important? And why did the founders in all their wisdom put that as number one? Very simple reason. They wanted people to be able to express themselves freely, to exchange ideas, and to be able to understand that no one has the answers to everything. No one person, despite what Donald Trump may tell you, no one person has the answers for everything. No scientist, no politician, no philosopher, 
the only thing that we know is that the only way as a society, as individuals, that we move forward is through the free flow of ideas. And how do ideas get communicated? Via free speech. So when we talk about free speech and the ideal of free speech in our society, let's start off with the easy one, the governmental one. Free speech shall not be abridged. This is where I'm an absolutist on. The government has no right policing anyone's speech. So, to all the people there who don't have, all the people out there who might be listening to me that don't have a bunch of gray hair on their face, that don't have snow on the rooftop, why is this important? There's no such thing as hate speech, folks. There's no such thing as a right to you not being offended. There is no right to live your uh, your life free from people misgendering you, insulting you, body shaming you, fat shaming you, dead naming you, whatever you want to refer to it as, as, there's no such thing. Now, could there be consequences for specific acts that arise out of specific speech? Sure, sure, absolutely. There's the case of fighting words. If I come up to you in an aggressive manner and say something like, I'm going to knock your effing head off. I'm going to beat you so silly, your mama's going to feel it. If I deliver that in a credible way, in a convincing way, so as to convince you you are in danger from actions that I'm about to take, then yes, you have the right to defend yourself. You have the right to hit me. You have the right to assault me, to keep me from, to defend yourself against my aggressive activity. That's a reasonable assumption, but it has nothing to do with free speech. It has to do with intimidation. It has to do with threatening. The speech itself is not what's dangerous to you. It's what the free speech is tipping you off to, right? So you want to view it that way, I think. So in terms of the government, I think it's pretty clear in this country. We've had cases uh, that have gone to the Supreme Court. Burning a flag, protected speech, folks. Protected speech. Larry Flint uh, producing parody that insinuated Jerry Falwell lost his virginity to his own mother in an outhouse. Maybe not my cup of tea in terms of humor. Maybe it is my cup of tea in terms of sense of humor. But guess what it also is? It's free speech. It's parody. Protected speech. Free speech. So uh, even, listen, even a governmental process such as trademark protection, when you apply for trademark protection, the Lanham Act used to say, well, you can't have a trademark that's offensive to people. You can't have a trademark which insults people, is vulgar, or, or otherwise offends the majority of people. That used to be a standard of the Lanham Guess what? Uh, the, let me look over here. Yeah, the Iancu versus Brunetti. Iancu versus Brunetti in 2019, uh, there was a, a trademark refusal for a trademark of a brand spelled F-U-C-T, okay? And that was rejected on the, on the premise that it was offensive speech and it, it, and it was bad content. And guess what? The Supreme Court ruled that was a violation of the First Amendment. So the government, and I, and I give credit in large part, for the most part, to our Supreme Court throughout the years 
because they do seem to protect free speech to a lo- to to a great extent. Now, are there even cases where I think they don't go far enough? I've already said I'm an absolutist. Okay, you should have no repercussions for uttering words. Now, where people conflate this is. Should you be protected? Do you have the right to incite a riot via your words? No, you don't. However, the bar to get to that point where you can, where, where it is proven that your words directly incited a riot is a very high bar, just like the bar for libel is very high. You have to prove damages. You have to prove that you were damaged in some way by someone else's speech. Mind you, this isn't the case in other countries, even so-called Western countries, this isn't the case. In Canada, uh, comedian Mike Ward was arrested, fined, thrown in jail for referring to a heckler during one of his acts in a nightclub uh, as being a lesbian. Yeah, someone was thrown in jail for shutting up a heckler. We all know how the libel laws work in England. Like the newspapers there get sued, it seems like once a week or whatever, because they they print an outrageous headline and someone would sue them. Okay, especially when it came to the royal family. Here, though, much higher bar to prove libel. Much higher bar to prove incitement of a riot. Okay? So I think as Americans, for the most part, We have that delineation. Here's what the government is not allowed to do. The government is not allowed to shut you up, right? There's very few cases that are acknowledged, say gag orders by a particular judge during a case. That seems to be an accepted restriction of speech. If you work for the government and you've agreed to your employment terms, you may not leak certain, uh, certain state secrets, for lack of a better term, all right? And Julian Assange is a different type of case because he was a whistleblower. But there are consequences, say, to being in the military and giving away troop position secrets or blowing the cover of agents, right? Because when you took, it's less an issue of free speech and more the issue of you took a job where you agreed not to do something like that. So it's less a a free speech limitation and more a, um, uh, a breach of contract in that thing, I would think. But free speech. I think that's established on the governmental level. Where you have an issue is how does the principle of free speech play out in the private sector, in society as a whole? See, now this one's a trickier one, right? Growing up, people of a certain age, of a certain generation, such as myself, trying to push up against 60 right now, when we were young, we were of the belief, we were told, that the threat to free speech would come from government. George Orwell, 1984, you see. That's where the damage would come from. That's where the danger was, that the government would shut us up. And we saw instances of this, the the, the restrictions on, say, the attempt to restrict pornography, to restrict certain forms of publications, of content in general. To a large extent, I've always wondered why the FCC was allowed to censor television content. Right, the FCC was a technical in its origins was a technical organization. It was meant to divvy out licenses and to manage 
bandwidth, on uh, spectrum bandwidth. It was really a technical organization. Somehow it evolved into a censorship organization where they got to choose what you get to see on television. Okay? I never understood that. To the, for the life of me, like as much as I think Howard Stern has become a hack, I will say one thing about him and people like him uh, who pioneered shock jock radio, so-called shock jock radio, which was, hey, F the FCC. Okay? So, so the government really doesn't need to get involved in stuff like that. But what happens in, in society? If I choose to work for an employer that says, listen, there's no cursing in our office space. There's no four-letter words in our office space. I have a choice to make. My choice is, do I accept their terms of employment? Do I accept the fact that while I'm working for them, while I'm operating under their auspices, I can't utter four-letter words? Okay, is that a free speech restriction? I don't think so, right? You're agreeing to give up your rights to say whatever you want while you're employed for this person. And by the way, being a good libertarian, I don't necessarily believe in a lot of these regulatory labor laws. An employer, has, I think, should have the right to say, I'm regulating your speech while you work for me. While you work for me, you can't do anything or say anything that will reflect poorly on the image this corporation is trying to portray. Right? That's okay. Here, let me give you an example. Right here at Grumblings Media. My partner, William Del Pilar, and I, once a week, I guarantee you, he'll have to call me up and ask me to rewrite or re-record something that I've that I've done. And, and typically it'll come down to this. Hey, William, uh, why can't I say during the podcast? Why is that so offensive to people? I think I should say And he'll say, hey, John, uh, I don't want you saying it because it limits our potential ad revenue and we're here to make money. Now, that's a conversation that I'm willing to have. And that's a conversation that reasonable people can come to an understanding. If I want to produce content at Grumblings Media, I've I've agreed. Even though I don't like it, I've agreed. I'm not going to say during a podcast. I'm not going to include the word in any written material. Why? That's our business strategy. Okay? The same reason... That right now, I wouldn't hire Nina Turner to work for me at Grumblings Media. Why? She doesn't represent our point of view. She doesn't represent what we're trying to accomplish. She would never willingly do what it is we're trying to do at Grumblings Media. It doesn't mean I'm limiting her free speech rights. And I can't emphasize enough, I don't want to limit her free speech rights. You see? Because I'm an absolutist. I am of the belief, now I'm not talking legally, I'm talking societally, as individuals, I am of the belief that if you start out a sentence in this manner, 
I believe in free speech, but listen, in my experience, no matter what comes after that but clause, you don't believe in free speech. What you believe in is free speech that you agree with. Okay? As much and as frustrating as certain people's speeches, and I can rattle off a bunch of people with whose speech I get frustrated at, it infuriates me, I find what they say to be idiotic, in my opinion, I find it to be nonsensical, and, worse of all, I think their particular style of delivering their free speech is influencing people, is persuading people to their, what I view to be, nonsense. Okay? But you will never hear me say, take away that guy's right to speak. Take away that woman's ability to scream her truth from every rooftop that she has access to. No, you won't get that from me. This is where I'm a free speech absolutist, ladies and gentlemen. There is no speech that I would censor. Zero. Okay? Now, I, I can hear some of you say, well, what happens if someone comes along and out of the blue just insults your wife? I'd be upset. Or makes fun of your kid's condition. I'd be upset. I would be angry. I might even be tempted to break out all the wrestling moves I learned in college. I might be tempted to take my baseball bat and crack it across their skulls. I would be tempted to do so. I would never do so, though. And I would never advocate that their speech be abridged in any way. I'm an absolutist like that. If I don't like what I'm hearing, hey, I turn off the TV. I shut down my my browser window. I walk away from the person who is babbling in my face. I turn my back to them. I walk away. That's how you shut out speech that you disagree with or find distasteful or find offensive. You don't lobby for laws limiting speech. That's why, in my opinion, hate speech should never be a crime. Because all it does is push one political group's agenda over another's. Very simply put. And any of you who think that's not the case, you're deluding yourselves. Are there things that are distasteful? Absolutely. Are there things that are are offensive? Absolutely. I remember one incident uh, maybe seven, eight years ago, Daniel Tosh, a comedian, made a rape joke in a club, in a nightclub, that a female blogger found offensive and started some sort of, you know, blogger jihad to make sure that he wouldn't get booked again, that he would lose his gigs. Why? Why? That, to me, is such a foreign response, is such an anathema to free speech. Don't listen to his stand-up. Get up and walk out. If it was presented as some sort of G-rated show, go to the manager and demand your money back. That's the proper response. Or go on your blog and say you had a horrible time. 
go on your blog and say, I will never attend another Daniel Tosh show because he made a rape joke and I'm a rape victim. But guess what? Your rape victim status has nothing to do with the principle of free speech. For those of you too young to know this or to have lived through it, in 1979, there were Nazis, flat-out Nazis, not alleged Nazis, not Nazis in name only, not alt-right or whatever they're called today, actual Nazis. I mean, in Skokie, Illinois, who wanted to march. And guess what? That's protected speech, folks. That's their First Amendment right to free speech and the right to assemble, by the way. Okay? Guess, ironically, who was at the forefront of the legal battle to get them their right to parade, get the Nazis their right to parade? The ACLU. Yeah, that's right. The same ACLU now that is probably much like the Southern Poverty Law Center and the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, who spend their time trying to figure out whose speech is so offensive to them that they will file lawsuits, that they will put their name on watch lists, that they will make recommendations to the FBI as to who should be labeled the domestic terrorists and so on and so forth. Yes, the ACLU, one of those organizations, was the leading voice at the time to make sure that these despicable, horrible, antithetical to libertarian thought Nazis had the right to peaceful, peaceably march through Skokie, Illinois. Okay? I don't know. I mean, I really don't want to sound like the old fart who says, back in my day and get off my lawn, you darn kids, and whatever, whatever. Okay, the one thing I see in later generations, say people who are up to 40, 45 years old, is this willingness to throw away the First Amendment. These polls that are made by reputable organizations that show that most young people in college, in universities, support putting limits on the First Amendment right to free speech. What nonsense is this? Where do we go as a society when we say, in a university especially, of all the places in this country where you would think the right to speak freely, the free exchange of ideas, the marketplace of ideas should be paramount in a university environment, that is where it is most threatened. Okay? No. No. If you want to, to retain your individual rights, if you want to have the ability to, to progress both individually and as a society, you have to allow the free speech of ideas. And if you're a libertarian especially, this is one of those, uh, I will, I, it's too far a bridge to cross if you're not down with absolute free speech, if you're a libertarian. There's no such thing if you're a libertarian, I believe in free speech, but there's no such thing. Okay? You may, as I've indicated, couch certain specific cases where, hey, I'm working for a private employer, not a governmental one, but I'm working for a private employer. 
I've entered into this agreement that I'm not going to use the word titties, then okay, fair enough. You've, lim you've limited your own free speech, but you haven't given away your rights to free speech. You haven't abdicated your rights to free speech. And if you're a libertarian that somehow thinks you can support free speech and be anti-dead name and be pro-dead naming, for example, saying that you can't refer to, uh, to a transgender person's birth name, then you don't believe in free speech. If you believe in compelled pronoun usage, you don't believe in free speech. Okay? If you believe there are certain subjects that consenting adults should not be exposed to, you don't believe in free speech. And I can't emphasize that enough. Free speech matters. And it matters to the degree that I think most people are not aware of the importance of free speech. Again, more so than the Second Amendment even. And as libertarians, free speech should always be defended, should always be protected, should always be espoused in our daily lives. Be tolerant of speech you hate. Absolutely. Be tolerant of speech you hate. Do you think I enjoy reading Nina Turner's idiotic tweets on how to get the economy going or why reparations are a good idea. These are idiotic notions, okay? Not once have I blocked her. Not once have I reported her. Not once have I tried to silence her. Not once have I tried to get people to say, don't listen to Nina Turner. What I have done is, Here's why I think Nina Turner is bluntly an idiot. Here's why Nina Turner does not deserve your respect. Why her ideas don't deserve your respect, rather. Okay? That's okay. Here's why I think Donald Trump is behaving and talking and acting like a five-year-old. That's okay. If you're a Republican that wants to shut me up when I talk about Trump that way, guess what? You're part of the same repressive authoritarian status movement that all libertarians should despise. And I'm talking about when you go past the typical 90 different shades of libertarianism, whether you're an anarchist, an ANCAP, an agorist, a minarchist, a left libertarian, a right libertarian, whatever. If at the core of your philosophy is individualism and individual liberty, then there should be no situation where you advocate for the restriction of someone's free speech. Okay. Now, you may ask me, hey, Big John, does that mean that you're for government forcing Facebook, forcing Zuckerberg to treat everybody's speech equally? Does that mean that Elon Musk is doing the right thing? Uh, does that mean that Elon Musk, like if he decides that he doesn't want to allow uh, uh, open pedophiles on his platform, he should be castigated for that? No, it doesn't mean that at all. These are private entities. These are entities trying to make money. I think it's a good idea if they're open about their biases. 
right? Like, I have no problem when, uh, what's that new social, not threads, a liker, I think. It's, it, it builds itself as a leftist platform, as a progressive platform. It builds itself as a place where they will not tolerate right-wing bigotry. So I, I believe it's like. Well, if that's the case, that's great. I don't have to join Liker. But at the same time, I can't force them to accept me and whatever my libertarian speech is. It's offensive to them. They don't need to listen to me. They, don't, they can't be compelled to listen to me. But they should have no right to shut me up either on other platforms, on my own, to file lawsuits against me. You see the difference? And when someone calls for a boycott, for any reason, by the way, see, this is, this is where I think the libertarian movement as it currently exists is corrupted in its zeal to get more followers, in its zeal to try to win more elections and to grow the political arm of libertarianism. This is where we screw up, quite honestly. Why are we promoting people that don't believe in free speech? I can, for, for a lot of different reasons, right? But if you're someone who supports Donald Trump, you're probably not a libertarian. You're probably someone who just likes one particular aspect of libertarianism. Say you're anti-vax. And you're like, wow, libertarians really are anti-vax. Uh, which isn't really the case, but that's the perception, right? Hey, libertarians are anti-vax, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join in with them, and, and maybe I can get some of them to vote for Trump anyway, because, you know, in four or five of the states that tr Trump lost to Biden the last go-around, the, the difference between Trump and Biden, the spread there, was the libertarian vote. So maybe we could get some of those libertarian votes over to the Republican side, because that'll give old Donnie Trump the leg up the next time, the next go-around, assuming he's not behind bars. Well, guess what? You're not a libertarian. You're a Trump supporter who just happens to believe in one issue, say one or two issues that may be trigger issues for you. No, I'm sorry. Free speech is one of those things. You have to be a free speech promoter. Now, I will say, in looking at Twitter, in looking on some of the other social media platforms, what I've noticed is that people... And unfortunately, a lot of self-described libertarians, whether they are or not, I don't know. And I'm talking about rank-and-file people as well as some of the better-known people, will use the principle of free speech, of absolute free speech, to justify their own hatred and bigotry, to justify violence, to justify calls to violence. Okay. As I said, I'm a free speech absolutist. Nick Fuentes is free to say whatever he wants, him and his groipers. Richard B. Spencer is free to say and publish whatever he wants. The same way that Sean King is on the left, or Noam Chomsky is on the left, right? All the people I just mentioned, by the way, abhorrent to me philosophically. All these people abhorrent to me in terms of pursuing uh, a mantra in life. Right, But here's the difference. I would never advocate for shutting Nick Fuentes up. I would never advocate for shutting up 
Richard B. Spencer. I would never advocate for shutting up Sean King. But guess what? I don't need to promote them. I don't need to use free speech as the cover, as the justification for their repugnant ideologies. Why would I do that? Why would any libertarian do that? Hey, man, uh, do you believe in free speech? Why, why, yes, I do. I'm a free speech absolutist. Free speech matters to me. Hey, great. Then why don't you come down and join us at the rally uh, to have Richard B. Spencer spread his nonsense to the youngest possible minors that he could uh, gather into a group? No. No, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? Hey, uh, let's, let's change the libertarian plank uh, to take out any explicit objections to racist speech. No, I don't support that. Why would you support that? Right? The, the plank perhaps should be amended to say, we believe in free speech and we strongly oppose racism. That's something a political party should have in their plank, unless you are the effing Nazi party. Right? There's a difference between advocating for openness, advocating for the exchange of ideas. That's, that's, that's what I'm about, baby. I have no problem with that. But why would I welcome Nick Fuentes or Richard Spencer into my home, my ideological home? Why would I do that? I don't want them representing libertarianism. Doesn't mean I want to shut, shut them up. They can start whatever group they want, and they have. Listen, the best disinfectant for hateful ideas, the best disinfectant for hatred is sunlight. It's openness. I don't want my Nazis lurking in the shadows. I don't need my black supremacists hiding somewhere where I can't see them, where I can't hear what they're doing. Right? I, I And here's the other thing. You need to expose the targets of their vitriol the targets of their hateful ideology, those people, those unfortunate people, need to be exposed to the other side. They need to be exposed to what is good in the world, to what is good in human relationships, okay? And the only way that you could do that is by more free speech. Again, it's one of those hack sayings. The only way you beat bad speech is with better speech. Well, be more persuasive in your speech. If you're one of the good guys, if you're a libertarian and you're trying to convince your family, your friends, even some of these Nazi idiots that you believe in individualism, you believe in free speech, you believe in voluntary association, you believe in lower taxes, you believe in less restrictive government or no government, right? If you want to convince people of those things, you don't, you don't tie yourself in with idiots like Richard Spencer. You don't tie yourself in with groipers. You don't tie yourself into what the Proud Boys have become or the Oath Keepers or any of these idiots. Why would you do that? How does that push forward your goal of spreading individualism? Now, are there people who would like to see the world burn? Absolutely. Are there people who get some perverse joy out of having us all at each other's throats at a moment's notice? Yes, those people exist. Evil exists in the world, okay? Whether you use it from a religious, philosophical, or just practical level, there is evil in the world. I happen to think most people are good. I happen to think most people are well-intentioned, 
good-natured, and given the choice between the right and the wrong thing, they will choose to do the right thing. I think most people fall into that camp. Unfortunately, the ones that get all the attention, the ones that the press loves to give the attention to are never, almost never the good ones. I mean, psychological studies have shown that a piece of bad news, a piece of bad speech is 10 to 12 times more recallable. You tend to remember it a lot easier than positive speech. That's why in advertising, companies will spend 10, 20 times more to make sure they bury bad news than they are to promote good news. For that very reason, you could hear 10 pieces of really good news about a particular product or a company. Those 10 won't stick in your head as much as if you got some word of some adverse event or, or something. Look at Bud Light. Look at Bud Light. For years, for, for years, each one of these uh, like rednecky uh, kid rock type of guys or Trump supporters that are running around blow, sh you know, shooting uh, Bud Light cans at target practice or or um, refusing to enter or patronize, uh, uh, patronize any establishment that serves Bud Light uh, or shop at a grocery store that, that sells Bud Light all because Bud Light decided to experiment uh, by using a transsexual to, to hawk their product? Yes, colossal mistake. Their sales plummeted, just like when um, Coca-Cola rolled out new Coke in the, in the mid-'80s, right? Colossal failure. You know what, I, what eventually uh, got them things like Bud Light and new Coke off the market? People not buying it. You don't need to shut people up, right? But what's interesting to me is the same people that claim like, hey, we're free speech, y'all. We're free speech. Let old Donnie T talk his, talk his talk. You can't suppress Donald Trump. Let him talk about that stolen election. All right, all good. Why are you so quick to condemn then people who want to use transsexuals to sell their product? Why shut them down? Yes. Cancel culture is a thing. I get it. Cancel culture is a thing. But the response to canceling, to cancel culture is not more cancel culture. Unlike free speech, more cancel culture does not get rid of cancel culture. Bad ideas, though, are driven out of the idea marketplace by better ideas, by more ideas. Okay. That's the way it works. That's the way it's always worked. So if you're really a free speech proponent, you're going to want to have as little restriction on speech as possible. And again, I urge people, the toughest thing to do in the world, the toughest thing to do in the world is to stand up when someone who is, is speaking an unpopular idea, who is uttering words that that infuriate the people around them. Those are the people that you need to stand up and say, hold it. This person that I completely disagree with has every right to speak 
and I will not join you in the mob that want to shut them up. That would be my admonition. That would be my challenge to everybody in the U.S. today. Everybody in the world, as a matter of fact, but especially in the U.S. I mean, I am of the firm belief that the only thing that separates us from the animals and from other countries is our First Amendment, is our right to unfettered free speech. So to the extent that someone will come to me and say, hey, uh, you know what, I really, my pronouns are they and them. Please address me as they and them. Now, I happen to think people who wake up every morning and decide what their pronouns are, that's a form of mental illness. You know, there, there's, there's no such thing as shifting genders or fluid uh, genders or any of that nonsense, okay? It used to be described as, as an illness, gender dysphoria, right? You don't feel like you're the, the thing that you're born as, okay? And without getting too deep into it, all right? My point is, I am against that as a principle, both as a scientist and as just a person walking around. I don't believe in it. However, if someone came up to me and said, hey, my pronouns are they, them, I really would feel better if you referred to me as they, them, going forward. Out of politeness, out of just human kindness, I might agree to that. I might be, you know what, out of politeness, I'm going to be having dinner with you, you're in my classroom, uh, I'm working with you, whatever the case may be. Out of simple politeness, I would be, sure, they, them, okay. However, you pass a law that says whatever cockamamie pronoun pops into someone's head, you are obligated to use objective language in the way that that particular person decides they want to make you talk, that your speech is regulated based on the whims of another individual? Uh-uh. Sorry, that isn't going to happen, ever. Nor should it. Nor should it ever happen. That's the whole point. Jordan Peterson made the point, because in Canada, you know, there is compelled speech. And if, if it's not fully passed, it, it may be on the docket to be passed, okay? But that's what he was raving about. It's not that he wants to deny ever using those pronouns. He, he kind of, I think, uttered this, a position similar to what I just laid out, right? Like, if, if someone came up to me and said, please, I would feel much more comfortable in your class, Professor Peterson, if, if you referred to me by my preferred pronoun. Okay. You know, I think Jordan Peterson has said if he felt it was just a matter of making the kid comfortable or whatever, and he didn't feel like he was partaking in some sort of political statement or political theater, then yeah, sure. Okay. But but to to have laws that compel you to do that? Uh-uh, sorry. I've worked for companies that have tried that with me. I've refused. As a policy, I've refused. And if that didn't sit well with my potential employer, we just decided to shake hands and part ways. Although... At companies, I've had individuals who in that situation said, listen, my pronouns are they and them. I would really appreciate it if you referred to me as they. I have agreed to that. Why? Because I liked working with that person and it made them comfortable to refer to them in that manner. But 
think of think of extreme situations, right? Think of the situation where I demanded that someone at my office refer to me uh, as Big Dick John. Do you get the double entendre? Big Richard John, Big Dick John, right? Some people might find that offensive. Some females might find that offensive if I demanded to be referred to in that way. When they know my name is John, if I walked in one day and said, from now on, you know, and I walk in with my hands on my hips, protrude my pelvis a little bit and say, from now on, I demand to be referred to as Big Dick John. That's how I wish to be referred to, Big Dick John. And then when, you know, like when someone walks up to me and says, hey, uh, I need some help with this Big Dick John, I can revel in the juvenile entertainment value that provides me, right? People would rightly tell me to go to hell and would refuse to abide by my request. How ridiculous would it be if the government, if I filed suit and said, hey, According to your potentially uh, compelled speech laws, uh, I identify as Big Dick John. I therefore demand that everyone refer to me as Big Dick John. What, what, what would be the, the fallout of that, do you think? And what would be the consequences of every individual having their own set of pronouns and referrals? outside of the objective ones where you legitimately see someone's gender and say he, she, her, him, uh-huh, right? They become still being used in plural. I cannot, I, I actually, I forget the brand, but I saw a commercial the other day and I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I might be going blind or maybe I had wet AMD or maybe like some other sort of horrible eye disease. I was watching a commercial on television. There was, uh, there were two people in the commercial, and one says to the other, "They look great." And they pan, and and the camera pans over, and it's one person, you know, going about their business. Don't they look great? And I literally, for a few short seconds, thought I was going blind. And I turn to my wife and I'm like, what they are they talking about? Am I going blind? I only see one person on the screen. Did they? Who's they? Am I missing something? What's going on here? And then I realized it was another attempt by, uh, by advertising agencies to uh, capitalize on the nonsense of these types of programs. Okay, great, fine. Guess what, though? Am I going to file suit that they, that they momentarily confused me? Am I going to file suit? that uh, they shouldn't be called they, or but no, I couldn't care less. It's a private organization that put out a commercial for their private product using terminology that they thought would help the sales of their product. Guess what? Just to show you what it was, I can't even remember the product. I remember the stupid commercial. I remember the stupid point they were trying to make by being so politically correct. I, I couldn't tell you what the product was. I'm being honest. I don't remember what the product was. I just remember being like almost crazily offended's not the right word, but just like what the hell is going on here, right? So keep that in mind. That's what I'm trying to say. 
free speech is is something that you have to tolerate. But if I'm going to say, and this has been a little bit of a disjointed rant, I realize that. But here's here's what I'm saying: free speech on a legal level has to be absolute. You you the government cannot and should not in any way restrict speech. As a society, the ideal should be absolute free speech. The ideal should be absolute free speech. But there isn't an allowance and an understanding that I think reasonable people have that if you work for a private employer, if you work for a private organization or agree to join a private organization, say like the Boy Scouts, that restrict speech because of what they're trying to accomplish as a private organization, that's great. That's okay too, because you're not compelled to abide by their rules if you are not a contractual member of that organization. Okay. But every one of us has a role to play in ensuring that free speech remains a viable and vibrant principle that we live our lives by. Okay. That's been all for this episode of free for all. Thank you all for taking the time to watch this. Hopefully uh, I've been able to stir uh, some passion within you for free speech. But then again, I may have just offended you. And at the end of the day, you have to let me know if I offended you. Please let me know in the comments what you thought of my rant here. Uh, don't forget, check us out on every major social platform, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Truth Social, Getter, Gab, Rumble, YouTube, at grumblings media at grumblings media you could also go to our website grumblingsmedia.com check us out there and once again thank you for joining uh this episode of free for all i look again to our next conversation until then stay free everyone